asking of us. And church, this is really important for us as men. The enemy has a heyday inside of our families, and oftentimes it's because we've let down our guard. We are the ones that have to stand up. God has called us to that. And therefore, in this world, men, men you, God's called you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what it is that you've experienced in life. I don't care how bad you may have blown it. I don't care how good you may think you have done. God has called you, and he's calling us up. Not just in our homes, not just in our families, but in our church. God's calling us in the kingdom, and he's called us to be kingdom keepers. He's called us to stand and fight. And so when we were coming up to this uh, time together where we were going to be having this uh, base camp theme and, and really beginning to kick things off, we were talking about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to uh, see the ministry go. And one of the, the, the first people that I thought of as we were talking about that was my brother Scott. I, uh, I met Scott, I was, I was thinking about it, it was 20 years ago. I know, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's always been one of those elder mentors that I've looked up to. Scott was working at uh, Grace Church as the youth pastor and overseeing Grace Ministries, the youth department. And so we were youth pastors at that time. And so we, we got to know each other. And, and listen, if you get us some time to talk to Scott, you will find that all of a sudden you are a friend. Because, again, this is one of the most gentle, kind, um, loving people that I have ever met. And I was instantly just, you know, drawn to him and to his life and just all that he's just been through over time. And uh, it's been incredible to see the growth and see how Scott has gone through what he's gone through and to come out in the places where God has brought him out. Let me tell you, whatever you've been through, God's not finished with you. No matter how bad, bad you may think you have fallen, God's not done or not able to lift you up to where he's calling you to be. And I love to see the testimonies, and I love to see people that have arisen from sometimes even the ashes to see God do great and mighty things in them. And my, my friend has been through all sorts of things, so he understands and knows. He's not preaching at us, he's preaching with us today. And I have Scott, we've had him now probably five, over the years, five, six different times. We, we have Scott come out anytime he can. He is a, uh, a senior pastor now at a church in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, or Fort Worth, and uh, doing incredible things. God's really moving, and I can't wait for you to be able, I know some of you have been introduced to him before, but I can't wait for you to be able to have some time here to experience, uh, again, one of the amazing communicators in the kingdom of God. Please welcome Scott Crenshaw. Thank you. Thank you, Well, thanks so much. It's, man, it's, it's a blessing to get to be here with you guys. Mark, to be back with you guys, and you and Trev, and, and uh, your church here. I just I get to watch you guys online, and, and we got to do, we've been able to do life together, and that's been a blast. You, you need these kind of men in your life, right? And we're going to talk more about that as we, as we dive into today and tonight. Um, I just want to say this from the very beginning. This is a stinking important group right here. I, and, and, and many times I don't think we realize how important the men of churches and the men in communities 
and the men in our homes are. I've got, uh, I've got four kids. And somebody came up to me and said, dude, she, wow, you, you must like kids. I'm like, no, I just like my wife. Um, but with my four kids, I've got three boys and I got the girl at the end. So with the three older boys, uh, those of y'all, man, you, you growing up, you know what it's like. We wrestled, right? We didn't wrestle. We wrestled. And we wrestled a lot, and, and we broke stuff a lot. And so my boys growing up, we, we wrestled. We did. We just did that all the time. And um, my youngest guy, he's a little dude anyway, but he's also the youngest, and he was so ticked off because like, he'd come up to me, just tears in his eyes, and he'd say, Dad, I never win. I never win. His name's Zach, and I looked at him. I said, Zach, Zach, come here. I said, do you want to win? He goes, yeah. I said, come here. I said, the next time y'all wrestle, go for the head. He goes, what? I said, when you wrestle, go for the head. And sure enough, probably two days later, I hear the wrestling start. I was like, I got to see this. So I cruise upstairs, man, and Zach is just getting ready like a little spider monkey. And sure enough, man, he just, he goes for the older brother. He doesn't even shoot for the middle. He goes straight to the top. He goes for the older brother. And I mean, just like a clamp on my son's neck. Just, Mah! I mean, he was just, and he just had him and just kept shaking. And Ben was like, get off, get off it. You want to win, go for the head. Can I tell you something? The enemy knows that. If you want to win, if the enemy is going to win in our country, if the enemy is going to win in our churches, if the enemy is going to win in this city, it's because he went for the head and he was effective. So I am. I'm, I, Mark, man, you and Trevor, thank you guys for having me back. I know, you know, just always so encouraging with the words after I preach like heresy. Um, <laughs> But it is, it is, it's, it's good to be back here with you guys. Listen, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. It's, it's such a delight because A, you know, you get in some cooler weather and, and I was hunting last weekend. I was sweating like a dog, man. So it's nice to be in some cold weather. And then y'all got those things. I, mountains, that's what it is. We, <laughs> sorry, bro, we're in Texas. We just, we got a bluff and I think that's a speed bump. Yeah, we'll call it a mountain. Seriously, we got out of here. I'm just looking, and I know y'all get used to it, man. Y'all say it all the time, but I get here and I'm just like, are you stinking kidding me? It's just, it's incredible. And, and, and let me tell you why. I love it that y'all have called this thing base camp. And if you don't know what base camp is, some, some of y'all thought it was about baseball. No, it's, it's a t different word. We're talking about more of that mountain. We're talking about kind of mountain climbing. And, uh, and, I, and I love that idea because for me, I'll just be honest with you, I love adventure, all right? I think God made us that way. Um, he, he, he made us to push some envelopes. He, he made us to be messy. Uh, just go ahead and tell your wife I said it now. I mean, God has made us that way. And he's made us to be a part of digging and enjoying uh, adventure at, at whatever age. And I've always loved adventure. I mean, probably a lot of us in this room can remember being kids and, and getting on bikes 
And sorry, younger dudes, we didn't have helmets. Uh, we're the guys riding in the back of the pickup truck, right? And we're the guys getting on bikes and it's like, well, you need to wear a helmet. I'm like, what? you didn't hear that. Anyway, but we, we were the guys who were taking plywood and we put plywood down and we put stuff underneath it to make ramps. Y'all remember doing that? Y'all remember making ramps? Come on, man. We would take big old pieces of plywood you could ever find and put a trash can or rocks or little brother, little sister, didn't matter, and you would, dude, you'd make those ramps, and we would just jump those stinking ramps all day long. Sorry, there was no Sega. There was no Xbox, right? We had bikes and ramps and a lot of scars. Um, but, dude, we, we did that, and we, we dug adventure. Um, as I got older, man, I, you know, I, I enjoyed adventure. I started doing the hunting thing, and I'll be honest with you, I really didn't ever hunt until I got to the church that I was at. And all of a sudden I look around and I realize all these people in the church, men and women, they were all hunters. And my grandfather always told me, he said, the shepherds should smell like the sheep, right? So I was like, all right, well, man, I'm, I'm gonna become a hunter. I gotta learn. And the cool thing was my secretary, her and her husband had their own hunting television show. And so she goes, do you wanna learn how to hunt? I said, yeah, bud, but I wanna learn how to bow hunt. I said, that just looks hardcore. I said, I want bow hunt. And she goes, come on over. So came over to their house and her husband was there and he goes, hey, listen, I got you a bow to get started on. And I was like, is, is, is that like one of your old bows? He goes, no, it's my daughter's. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's eight. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Barbie, great, keep the Barbie, all right. But anyway, I started doing that, and, and, and then it was probably a couple years after that that, oh, my goodness, couldn't believe this. We got to go to Africa to hunt, right? We went there. We spent 10 days doing a mission endeavor over there, and then we spent another 10 days on a safari. Now, listen, love me some United States. Love me some Texas. I love my Texas animals. I really do. But I'm just telling you, when you get the opportunity, God opens a door for you to go to Africa, someplace like that. It's like God showing off with those animals. They're incredible. I mean, the colors on these guys, the builds on these guys, the horn, and, and, and there's some freaky animals. I mean, true story. There's one animal, and I never can remember the name of it, but when he dies, somebody's probably going to know the name of it. When he dies, this little deer-looking thing, his back hair from the middle of his back to his tail stands up. We shot this thing. It was the very last thing that we shot on our safari. And the guide, our guide goes, Crenshaw, run over there and smell it. <laughs> We've done youth ministry with junior high kids too long. I'm not running over to smell nothing. <laughs> he goes, get over there and smell it. And then I, I was like, so I run over there and things dead. And I'm like, oh man, okay, Africa, let's do it. It smelled like cotton candy. That's an idea. I'm like, God, how stinking creative are you? Okay, okay, how about this one? There's this little animal, it's called a diker, all right? It's a German word for uh, dive. Thing looks like a little pot roast on legs. <laughs> We're in these tall weeds and this thing will bound. Bound, and just when you think, gotcha, he dives. 
Diker. I mean, just such creative animals. And, and, and God is going, can, can I say this real quick, gentlemen, to us? God's going, come join the adventure. Come join the adventure. Because can I just give you a, a quick word? And somebody needs to hear this tonight, and it may be the only word you hear tonight. If you are bored doing this Christianity thing, you're not doing it right. He invites you to the adventure. One of our last days of the safari, the guide, he's from South Africa, and he goes, dude, Crenshaw, come with me. And so we get out of the bucky and we, we start going through these deep, I mean, some, some tall grass. And um, he's, he didn't even bring a gun and we, the other guys took off. And so I got the only gun. I got three shells. And I'm going to say this in love. I suck with a gun. I'm just, I'm just not a good shot. I have a blast with it, but I'm horrible. And so we're walking, and all of a sudden, true story, way up in front of us, you see the grass go down, and my guide starts slinking down. I'm like, this cannot be good. <laughs> and I said, what is it? True story. He turns around and goes, Tiger. <laughs> Safety's off. I'm like, what? Because he's calm. He's not running. He's not like stabbing me in the leg and then running, right? <laughs> he, I said, what? He goes, Tiger. And I'm sitting here going, okay, first off, Tigers in India, not Africa, but this is a big ranch, and I know they bring animals in. And I'm sitting here going, I will shoot him. <laughs> I, if a tiger, I have to say, Jesus, he's coming home. I, he's, right? And one more time, I'm, I, I cannot believe this is happening because we are in this tall grass. I see it move. He's turning around going, tiger. I'm going, are you kidding me? You don't even have a gun at this point. I got the only gun with three bullets and a bad shot. This isn't good. I said, spell it. And he goes, D-U-I-K-E-R, diker. It was the pot roast. <laughs> So, Mr. Crenshaw, you killed your guide. Why? Well, just should have seen the things on that dike. We were, somebody caught that. We were in um, the Zambezi River, and, and I'd taken a group of college students into Africa. This was years before. And it was really cool because I had this one this one young gentleman named Russell. And Russell had, had messed up family. Man, he had been just so totally engulfed in the whole uh, gay homosexual lifestyle. But man, he had gotten delivered, gotten set free, right? Russell was just, he was so hungry for God, but he was hungry. I kid you not. I'd ask him a question, man, what are you praying for? He goes, I want to be masculine. He goes, I, want, I just want to be masculine. 
And I remember we were, we were doing a, a level five whitewater trip on the Zambezi River. And, and Russell, man, he, he was stoked because this is like, dude, this is manly stuff, isn't it, Scott? I went, yeah, it is. And Russell was just pumped. So he hopped in the front of the boat. He was in the very front of the raft, man. And we were out there, and the guide's telling us, he's like, dude, chances are, I promise you, we're probably going to tip over at some point. Somebody's going to go in the water, but don't fight it. You're going to get sucked out. You'll pop up, man, you know, quarter mile down the road. <laughs> I'm sticking my arm through that rope, man, going, it ain't me. It ain't me. <laughs> it was Russell. We hit this one dip it goes down and I mean the whole raft was submerged underwater and when we came up people were flying everywhere right everybody was in place no Russell he was out he was gone and I'm, I mean, I'm freaking because I, I kind of felt like I was fathering him. And here's this guy going, I want to be a man, not, not I want to be a dead man. Uh, and, and then we, and sure enough, way down the river, all of a sudden, boink. A little head just popped up. Just boink. I was like, Russell. <laughs> we, we get up there. Russell's changed his tune, Right. We get in the boat. He's like, dude, let's man up. Come on, Scott. Let's go, man. Let's go. He goes, I want out. I want out now. Let's. I, he goes, I, I, seriously, he was. He was hitting the pose and everything. He was like, next village. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of here. And I just grabbed him. I grabbed him by his life jacket and I pulled him back. I said, no, you're not. Man up. Pushed him up. Oh, he was ticked. <laughs> He, well, brother wouldn't even look at me or talk to me for the rest of the day. But can I tell you something? That was part of his masculine journey. It's just part of the journey. Well, I want you to hear something. God's inviting you to an adventure. When I got here and I'm looking at those mountains and thinking about base camp, I'm like, I love that. Because you know what base camp is? Base camp is a safe place. It's a place when you've been wounded, when you've been hurt, when you've been confused. It's a safe place that you come to and you can be real and authentic. You can be tired. You can be exhilarated. You can high five. It's the place for us as men. And I'm looking at those mountains and I don't even know what, what, what is the, what, what's the mountain height out here with some of these guys? Anybody know? Above sea level? What is it? Yeah. So, and I was just curious about that because I, I was reading up about mountains. And I was looking at some of the different ones and I was looking at uh, like Mount Fuji. Thing is 12,388 feet above sea level, right? That's a decent sized mountain. Mount Kilimanjaro was 19,941 feet above Sea level. Not here in the United States. Dude. We, we, we got some, all right? Uh, me, me and Paul were talking about Alaska, and in Alaska, you got Denali, over at Denali National Park. That's, that's the United States big mountain that we got. That thing is 20,310 uh, feet high above sea level. That's, that's a good-sized mountain. But if you want the Mac Daddy, it's Mount Everest. 
That bad boy stands at 29,035 feet above sea level. The very first American, the very first American that ever climbed that bad boy was in 1963, May 1st, 1963. And you, you got this guy who, uh, Jim Whitaker. And Jim Whitaker was the very first American that ever climbed Mount Everest, May 1, 1963. And so here, here's the cool thing that I look at. Because I know, <laughs> I look at those mountains out there. Show me a hiking trail. I'm like, let's go. We can do this. All right. But if one of y'all said, Scott, we're going to go climb one of these bad boys tomorrow. I was like, dude, we're praying for you. Tear it up. Have fun. Meet you back at base camp. Boom. <laughs> when you got a mountain that's 29,035 feet, I guarantee you put me in front of that bad boy, I'd be going, there's no way. But then somebody could lean over to you and say, Jim Whitaker. What does that mean? It means it's been done. It means this, it means it can be done. Now hear me. Every single one of us in this room, every man in this room, man, I don't care if you're 13, I don't care if you're 97, every single one of us in this room, there are mountains that God is calling us to. Now, whether that mountain is the mountain inside of your marriage, whether that's the mountain of being a dad for the first time, whether that, maybe that's the mountain of you being a, a junior high guy, man, at your school, trying to stand up for Jesus. But every single one of us in this room, we got our different mountains. Mountains of you being a part of this church. There's, there's an invitation for you to be a part of the adventure here. There's an, there's an invitation for you to be a part of the adventure inside of this city. So we all have our different mountains. And the cool thing is this, is that God himself even brings an invitation. He gives a word of encouragement, a word that I, I just even want to share tonight. He simply said this. For I know the plans I have for you. And put it another way, I know the mountains that are in front of you, says the Lord. He goes, I got plans to prosper you on your climb, not to harm you on your climb. I got plans for your future of good things on your, your individual climb. Because see, let me just go and say this real quick. I don't know your climb. I don't know the mountains that each one of you guys, man, I don't know the ones you're in. Some of y'all are sitting here right now going, Scott, I'm in a difficult marriage. Some of y'all are going, Scott, I'm in a horrible job situation. Scott, man, I'm, I'm at a school and I feel like I'm the only Christian at this school. I don't know your mountain, but I just want to say this. God does. Because God's already, listen, listen. God's already looking at you saying, I got plans for you. And your mountain's not surprising me. You're going, Scout, they just, they just found this mass. I didn't know that. Man, neither did I. Can I say something? God did. God is not shocked by any of the mountains, man, that we're looking at here. And, and, and can I go ahead and say this too? You know, we, we say, hey, Whitaker. Okay, great. Uh, Jim Whitaker, man, uh, man he, he was there. And well, already there's been calculated so far, there's been over 6,000 different people who have climbed. Mount Everest. So you know what I can tell you about Mount Everest? It's doable. I didn't say, listen, I didn't say it was easy. I said it's doable. And God already, in his word, he wrote this and said, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Listen, being a man, I, I, I wish I could say 
to the young dudes in here, hey, gentlemen, guess what? Being a dude, it's, it's just, it's a cakewalk. It's easy. It, no. We live in a time when there are so many that are cursing us as being men. When you'll hear people, man, getting on their megaphones screaming about toxic uh, masculinity. When you got women, you've got, listen, for years, there's, there's been different groups of women who have been crying out about men saying, listen, we want men to be more sensitive and we want men to cry with us and we want men to be more like us. What they were saying was, I don't want a man, I want another girlfriend. And the sad thing is, many of them have gotten their wish. So I'm just, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, there's an adventure waiting. Just going to tell you there's mountains. I didn't say it's going to be easy. But I will say it's doable. Your marriage is doable. You know, I know Mark, you and me, we, I don't know what you, bro. When I got married, I was just like, I've heard from God. She's hot. Huh? <laughs> Renee loved Jesus and she was hot. I was like, dude, two things I'm looking for, right? Had no idea what it meant to have a godly marriage. I didn't. I love Jesus. You love me, Jesus. We got married in a church. We go to church. I had to learn. Let me give you, let me give you another word here. Um, the word is, <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard before, is, is the Sherpas. Sherpas. The Sherpas were actually people that lived in Nepal around Mount Everest, right? It's, it's an indigenous group called Sherpas. And the, the Sherpas were the people that they, people would hire to be a guide to take you up on Mount Everest because they knew the lay of the land. They knew how to get there. Well, today the word Sherpa is, is it's no longer just for that indigenous people. It's now just a generic term for a mountain guide. Can I tell you something? We need Sherpas. We need, can, can I speak to the younger dudes in here? Gentlemen, you need some of these older men, these, these wisdom that some of these guys carry. You need those Sherpas to be able to say, this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be masculine. This is what it means that, man, when you shake somebody's hand, you actually look at them in their eye. Don't you shy down. You look at them in their eye, and when you grab their hand, man, you get a firm handshake in there. If, if you make that mistake and you accidentally just get those little fingers, you pull back and regroup, all right? But we need the Sherpas in our life. And can I say this to the older men? We need the Sherpas in our life. That's one of the reasons that base camp is being created. I read this on the internet, and I, I just thought this was interesting. What is, what is a man? Somebody just kind of answered real quick. What, what, what is a man? Because the world out there is, seems to be getting more and more confused about what we are supposed to really be. This guy just kind of wrote this up. He said this. He goes, a real man. He says, he's honest. He takes care of his kids. He gives up a seat for a woman. He tells, he tells the worst truths instead of the best lies. He listens, he smiles, he's romantic. 
mind, he minds his manners. He's trustworthy. He loves, respects his parents. He makes mistakes. He doesn't hold mistakes against others. He understands that he doesn't know everything. He makes a conscious effort to learn something new, and he loves hard. I like that. I like that. Because the television shows won't show us. My boys were little. I told you, I got three boys. And even when my boys were little, we'd be watching some different sitcom. Tell me if I'm missing this. We'd be watching some different sitcom, and my boys would come up to me and say, Dad, why is it that every show, the dad is an idiot? Pick your show. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you, this is, tonight what I want to talk about is the climb. We'll talk about the climb. There's an adventure and there's mountains, different mountains that each of us have, but there's been an invitation given. And so let, 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 me, give you, let me give you the base camp scripture for tonight. And I love this because it's in the book of Habakkuk, right? I know a lot of big Habakkuk fans in the place. <laughs> But in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, if you're taking notes, you can just jot it down. But in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, it says this, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me on the heights. Dude, as a hunter, I just got visual all over with that picture. In fact, man, I was, I was, I was down and in, in, we were doing some bow hunting. Right, and we we're going after rams, but we were stalking. We weren't sitting in a little comfortable blind with here's your cappuccino and kind of rub your feet. I know we were out there. We were walking on these mountains and we were trying to track down these rams. And all of a sudden, man, we we, we have been walking and hiking, and bro, that is not an easy process. I come up and the guy just taps me. He goes, "Look up." And when I looked up, and it just looked like just a big sheet of rock right it was just solid i look up and at the very top there's this stinking huge ram and he's just majestic as all get out right and he's just standing my first thought was dude how did you get there right there's no ladder nobody was hoisting him i mean it was just this sheer rock i'm like and i'm just standing there just taking it all in and all i could hear was that passage the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He gives me hinds feet for high places. And he enables me to go to the heights. Then I killed him. <laughs> Don't get distracted. I want you just real quick. Can I camp out of here for just, just half a second? The sovereign Lord, that, that word sovereign Lord first off blows my mind because it's the only time, this is the only place in the, in the Old Testament that we see that phrase, sovereign Lord. It's the only place that we see it. It's in, in, in Hebrew, it's actually the words uh, Yahweh Adonai, sovereign Lord. The only other time you're going to see it is in the book of Psalms. It's incredible, but, but, but look at what it says. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. 
And he enables me to tread. He enables me to go on the heights. First off, just a couple of things. I got to hit here and, and I'm going to move away from it. But I want you to see it. I want you to see this invitation that God is giving to us here at base camp. He said, first off, there's an invitation I'm giving you to go to the heights. For some of us who are sitting here saying, Scott, just got to be honest. Life kind of sucks right now. And if I was really honest with you about Christianity, it's kind of boring to me. And I'm saying this. Then I want you to hear the invitation tonight. He says, I'm going to enable you to go on the heights. I'm giving you an invitation to go on the heights of the different mountains that you've got in your life. But you need to see this also. It's an invitation. It's not a gun to your head. I wish, I wish, because I've, I'm, I've not gotten to all the mountains that I want to get to, but the mountains that I have gotten to go to. I want to come back and scream to every man, the adventure, it's worth it. And when you get freaked out thinking I'm the only guy and other people, man, are going to judge me and you get that fear of them and I'm just telling you, it's worth it. To be able to go through what me and my wife have gone through, to be able to have the relationship, the marriage that we've got today, it's worth it. But it was a mountain that God said, come on. But it's not going to. And then I want you to hear this, because this is a good news for us tonight. It says, he makes my feet like a feet of a deer. Huh. End of the service, we're not going to have prayer partners come up here and we're just praying for your feet right now. Jesus, feet of a deer. No. He makes my feet. You know what that is? It's a process. Did you hear that word? Oh, babies, please hear that word. Because some of us in this room that you're beating yourself up right now. In fact, there's some of you that are here right now and, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm looking at these other guys and they're worshiping Jesus. They know those songs. A couple of guys over there, I, I don't know what their deal is. They got questions. But uh, I, I shouldn't even, why am I here? Bro, why am I here? I shouldn't even be, I'm not this level of, it's a process. He wants to make your feet like the feet of a deer. And my friends hear this, that it is an ongoing process. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to go to the heights. Doesn't say he'll force you there. He doesn't say he'll force you to have a good marriage. He doesn't say he's going to force you to have your mind renewed to where you got the things of God inside of your mind instead of the things, the old crap that we all used to have. He didn't say he's going to force you to do that. He said he'll enable you to, and he gives you an invitation. Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes, my, he makes the process the feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to go on the heights. And can I tell you something? It's not one height. It's multiple things that we as men, young men, that we have in our lives. To ask this question, the sovereign Lord is my strength, and well, Scott, I, I do want to have a good marriage. Scott, I do want to be successful in my business. By whose definition? Whose map are we going to follow to success? Whose map are we going to follow? to, well, I got a good marriage. Really? Okay, give me your definition of good marriage. So my, my, my question that I got to ask you is, whose ways are we, we going to choose? Because it's really interesting 
that when Joshua, right? Can't wait to meet that guy in heaven. Seriously, I think he was just a stud dude. Joshua is already, he, he, he passed Moses and he's taking the people into the promise. He's taking them to a new, a new chapter. He's taking them to a new height. He's taking them to a new mountain, right? And when he gets in front of them, they've already gone through some mountains. He gets in front of them and he brings this challenge. He says, let me ask you guys this. He says, today, who are you going to serve? In other words, whose map are we going to go by? Whose ingredient list are we going to go by? Whose recipe are you going to follow? He goes, are you going to choose the people of the Amorites on whose land we're now living? In other words, what he was saying was this. Is success by you defined by the people out there? The people outside of the kingdom of God, the people outside of Christianity, people outside of New Life Church, is, is, is their definition of success what is their definition of what a real man is? Is that the definition you're going to go by? So in other words, whose map are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the people in whose land you're now living? And then he says this. He says, or will you follow the map of your parents? Now in this room, I'm just, I'm just guessing, Pastor, that there's probably a lot of dudes in this room who've had some godly cool parents. Perfect? No, no such thing. But parents that were trying to point you to Jesus, right? Some of you guys were like that. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. And I got to be careful because inside of my marriage and even inside of my mind about what it means to be a man, there's a temptation and there's a tendency for us to merely look back at the example that our dads and other men set in our life. And like I said, if you had a godly dad, awesome. I hope you follow it. But if you're like me and you didn't have that, you better be careful because there's a tendency for us to follow the example that our parents gave us. When I was growing up, my mom was life of the party. My mom was cheerleader in high school. My mom was just life giving. My mom was, she was a blast, right? Problem was, man, my, my mom, she didn't realize it. She was goofy. Just didn't know. And my mom would say some of the weirdest stuff. And when you're in high school, right, you're trying to be so cool and you got your friends over and your mom's saying these weird, okay, example. If my mom ever got cold, my mom would go, burr, rabbit. I'm like, I'm adopted, right? She loved me, man, but she's just weird though. Into my senior year of high school, my mom felt like she hadn't spent enough time with me. I was about to graduate. My mom, I'd get up about 7, 7.30, man, my senior year. My mom would come in about 6, sit on the end of my bed every morning. And just because she felt like she hadn't spent enough time with me before I graduated and left for college. So she'd sit on the end of my bed and just start talking. So, you know, Thursday, Ann Elner, she's going to have a gallstone removed. She is. And I'm like asleep waking up going... <laughs> graduate high school man go on to college and man as a young youth pastor right started youth ministry really young and and uh, because we didn't have this uh we would take our texas kids on snow ski trips right so we'd get out there and we you know we didn't have all the cool clothes like y'all got we just scotch guard jeans and put on sweatshirts and uh i remember this one time took our youth group 
We're snow skiing. It was the last day. Last day. We, we were having a blast. And um, we were going up the ski lift, and a northern had blown in that we weren't expecting. Nobody, we didn't foresee it. Get up at the top of the ski lift, man. I get off the ski lift, pull over to the side, I put my gloves on, and the wind comes cutting through. I mean, just, oh, God, it was horrible. My best friend standing there beside me, and when that wind hit me, I just went, burr, rabbit. And seriously, I felt like I was possessed, like something just came out of my mouth that I wasn't expecting. And I looked over at my friend, and he was just putting bullets on the gun because I had told him, if I ever sound like my mom, shoot me. <laughs> I've, said, I've said this to teenagers. Can I say this real quick? Teenagers, teenagers, I've said this so many times. You can sit here, and I know you can sit here and say, I will, I will never be like my parents. Because every one of us adults said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> But there can be a tendency for one day you to look in the mirror and all of a sudden you see your dad. And that's a scary thing, especially if you're a girl. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let me give you this. Let me, let me ask you this. Who's your strength? Now, please, please don't put on your little Jesus mask. Go, it's Jesus. No, no, no. You know what base camp is? Base camp's real. Base camp's where you got a safe place to open up your chest cavity. So when I ask the question, who is your strength? What I mean is this. The mountain climb is not going to be easy. I promise you. I promise you. If it was, if it was easy, everybody would have a successful marriage. If it was easy, everybody would understand their identity in Christ. If it was easy, everybody would be godly leaders. So they're going to be tough times. So in, in those tough times... Here's my question to you. What or who do you run to for comfort in that? You see, there, there's a passage that is given to us in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And it simply says this. It says, for my people have committed two evils. This is God talking. He says, my uh, people have committed two evils. They have abandoned, they have rejected me, the fountain of living water. And they have carved out for themselves their own cisterns, broken wells that can't hold water. Here's, here's my question. What strengthens you? What comforts you? When you're on the mountain and you're stressed, what, what, do, you, what do you run to? Is, is it that bottle? Is, is it that drug? Is it that, if it's like me, is that pornography? What is it? that you run to to find that. Because what God is saying here is this. I want you to hear this. God is saying, man, I'm a fountain. And this is real. And I'm what your, your soul is really looking for. And I'm calling you. And, and, and what he's saying here is, man, I'm, I'm kind of chastising you because you've totally rejected me. And instead of running to me in your time of pain, instead of running to me in your time of confusion, instead of running to me and saying, God, I need your comfort, I need your strength, you, you made for yourselves broken sisters. And gentlemen, we as men, we are horrible about doing that. Tell me, man, just tell me how many of us have made our jobs that well that we go and drink from. We, we find our identity. That's a freaking scary thing. Because we weren't created for that. And can I, tell you, can I tell you something else about broken wells? 
They normally dry up when you need them the most. So my question, what strengthens you? Next question I got is simply this, what you building on? What you building on? See, in, in the book of Matthew chapter seven, uh, Jesus tells this quick story and probably a lot of y'all know the story. And it was a guy who said, hey, I'm gonna build my house. And he decided he was gonna build his house on sand. And then guess what? The storms came up. Hey, guys, can I say this to you real quick? I don't care if you got Jesus in your life or not. Storms are going to happen. But let me give you good news. Give you a little preview of Sunday even. It's one thing to be in a storm. It's another thing to be in a storm with Jesus. Because I've met people who've come to Jesus saying, I want to come to Christ, Scott. Really, what, what, why, what is it? What, what's that hunger within you? Scott, I've just gone through so many tough times in life, and I, I don't want to have problems anymore. Because there's some Christians in this room that knew your problems es escalated once you came to Christ. So one man built his life. He built his life. His foundation was built on the sand. And then the storms come, and they do come. And the scripture says his, his house was just blown away. But another dude, he built his house, the scripture said, on a rock. That rock was Christ. That's that mountain. And when the storms come, and they will come, his house wasn't blown away. Inside of my house, me and my wife have both survived cancer. I've survived shootings. Literally, standing in front of you gentlemen here tonight, I have three bullets inside of me, whole bullets. I have two bullets mushroomed up against the back of my skull, and I have a complete bullet right here in my shoulder. I can tell you about the different storms that we've gone through with our children. I can tell you about the storms that we've gone through with our church. Listen, I'm not going to say anything new here that y'all are going, get out. We've all gone through the storms. But when you're building your life, what's strengthening you? And when we say, God, we want to do it your way. I want to build it on you. I'm not going to build it on my 401k. I'm not going to build it on the success of my church by the world standards. I got to build it on you because the storms are freaking going to come. And when they do come, if I've built it on the sand, I'm desolated. If I build it on the rock, it's going to stand firm. So my question, what strengthens you? My question, what are you building on? And finally, my last question, and where's your passion? What do you brag about? You come over to my house, man. <laughs> I got such an incredible wife. I keep guessing. I, I think she thinks I have money. I don't know. <laughs> she lets me have my animal heads in my house. Right? You can come into my house, and I can tell you stories about every one of these heads, every one of these things hanging down. Some of my passion. Used to be able to, two weeks ago, man, oh, I sold my motor. I had a couple of different motorcycles. I like riding bikes. And I uh, got one bike that I've had with me forever, and I'm going to keep it till Jesus comes back. But I just sold. I had an Iron Horse Anniversary Chopper Edition that I just sold. And uh, I, I can show you pictures on my phone of it. I I had to delete pictures of my grandkids because I didn't have, have enough memory. But <laughs> can I give you a passage? Love this. Listen. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says this, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. 
Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Somebody, come on! That messes me up. I love that passage. Because yes, I'm asking you the question, what are the things that bring passion into your life? And can I tell you something? I truly believe that as this base camp grows, I believe that, and when I say grow, I don't mean there's 9,000 men. If God wants to do that, fantastic. I'm talking about it starts getting real men in here who are ripping open the chest cavity going, man, can I just share a struggle that I got going on in life? And another man who doesn't have a wound, he's got a scar. What's a scar? A scar is a healed up wound who's going, dude, I went through that exact same thing. Can I share with you some things? Can I share with you what God showed me? And can I help walk you through the process? That's what base camp is. To where you get to the point of saying, you know what? If I'm going to brag, I got to tell you at some point about Christ. I can tell you about my deer. I can tell you, man, about the diker. I can tell you about my motorcycle. I tell you about scuba diving and fishing. But somewhere in there, baby, I promise you, I'm going to have to talk about God. Sitting down with Paul, man, and Trevor at lunch, and we're talking through all these different things, and Trevor's just, man, he's just sitting there, you know, chowing down. But the moment we start talking about the things of God, his head just lifted up, man. And then he just starts this 30-minute soliloquy. You know, I was like, we we couldn't even, me and Paul are like, wow, he's paying. Um, But what was he bragging about? He was bragging on the things of God. Don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't let the strong man boast. And and, and listen, can I say this real quick too? God's got nothing against the strong man. He's got nothing against being cut. He's got nothing against the rich man. He doesn't say that. He's got nothing against the guy who has wisdom. He's just saying this. Don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let him boast. I understand and know God. God's got nothing against the guy, man, who's got the finances. I I got a guy in my church. Kid you not, I love this guy. Guy in my church that owns every Domino's pizza in Fort Worth, Texas, Hawaii, Michigan, and half of Arizona. But you start talking to him, and can I tell you, he's not going to talk to you about pepperoni. (laughs) Scott, I just got to tell you about this new mozzarella. You give him 10 minutes. You know why? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, listen, please hear me. Please hear me. Because I don't want some of us right now listening to this going, crap, that's not me. But do you want it to be? I'm not, listen, I'm in the process still, baby, I promise. I'm not talking about, we got to be there. We are, no. I'm saying, do you want to be there? Do you want to be there? Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. So here we are. There's a climb. It's called life. Hmm. It's not easy. Been a lot of people already prematurely, man, checked off the mountain. Been a lot of people who've medicated themselves on the mountain. And not everyone makes the climb. Not everyone makes the climb in their marriage. Not everyone makes the climb, man, with understanding their identity. 
Not everyone makes the climb about understanding what it means to be a man. So can I just give you this as a close, just real quick. Scott, where does, where's the climb start? It starts with understanding that there was a God who on purpose created you with a game plan and an invitation. And just like Adam and Eve inside of the garden, God created them and he put them in this beautiful place called the garden. And inside of the garden, that's a picture. That's a picture of relationship. That's a picture of intimacy with God. But also inside of the garden, can I say this? Y'all remember the story, man? He said a tree. And he said, don't eat of the tree. Now, I don't know about you, man. I was raised in church. I knew all the stories. I, I, I knew the story of Daniel and, and the lion's den. I knew the story of Jesus of the cross, man. I knew all the stories. I, I'd made 8,000 crosses out of popsicle sticks. I'd made Joseph in the coat of many colors as a puppet. Don't fall in the well. Oh, I was there. But I had trouble understanding this tree thing. I got to be honest. This is God, right? God creates an environment. He puts, creates man and woman, puts them in there and goes, don't eat of the tree. When he knew they'd eat of the tree. And at one time I got to college. And babies, I want y'all to know this. I wasn't at a Christian college. <laughs> I was at a pagan college. There were 36,000 people. We were in the top five uh, party schools of the nation every year, according to Playboy magazine. This is not a Christian place. But can I tell you something? God puts light in dark places. And there was one of these dudes. There was this old Scottish philosophy professor who went, God, you're putting a new mountain in front of me. Take me to this college. And I remember walking in that room as a brand new believer. I'd just given my life, to, really surrendered my life to Christ. I'm sitting there scared to death because right before, stinking right before I walked in, I'm excited about Jesus, but I'm like a baby. And I meet this guy outside in the hallway before I walk into class and we're talking. I let him know I was a Christian. He goes, dude, what's your first class? I said, philosophy. He goes, ooh. I said, what do you mean, ooh? He goes, Dude, they're going to eat your God up. Which come? Takes me off. I was like, baby, nobody eats my God up. All right? It's like some seventh grader looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger going, going to eat you up. You know, it's just not going to happen. Not going to happen, little man. <laughs> but I remember walking into class, and his name was Dr. Trainer. Dr. Trainer walks out, and he hands us a syllabus. Chapter 13 was entitled, Why We Doubt the Existence of a God. And I was nervous about that one. I was like, oh, gosh, here it is, here it is, here it is. So I was, I was praying about that that day when we were going to study, Why We Doubt the Existence of a God. And we walk in that day, and Dr. Trainer walks in, man, double-breasted suit, little short Scottish guy. Ladies and gentlemen, today in our class, we're scheduled to study Why We Doubt the Existence of a Good but because we know that there is a good and he's fed, today we'll instead study why he gives us the opportunity to choose. And God shot me to the tree.
I said, that's why. You see, before there was a tree, there was no choice. And where there is no choice, there is no true love. God never puts, I wish God would. I wish God would put a gun to our stupid heads and go, choose me. He doesn't. He says, choose. And if you know the story of Adam and Eve, what they did, they went and even though they knew he was God, they still said, we want to do life our way. And they ate the fruit of the tree. And the moment they did that, there was a death. God even said it. You eat of that tree. In other words, you choose to do life your way. You eat of that tree, you're going to die. Did they fall over dead? Was it like crunch? No. The death was a spiritual death. Right? And this barrier came down between holy God and and man. It's called sin. Uh, I'm going to hurry. A couple years ago, several years ago, in fact, I, I was on an airplane. I was flying to speak at a place. And the seats I were sitting in was actually facing somebody else. They, 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 they were both facing each other. And this lady comes in. She's sitting there. I'm sitting there writing this Bible study for the place I was going to speak at. I'm writing all this stuff down. Holy Spirit starts speaking in my heart. So, Scott, Scott, tell that lady about me. I was like, okay. How? Right? It's like, you're God. This is your game plan, right? I'm just jumping in. He goes, dude, you're writing a Bible study. Read it to her. I was like, God. And I looked at this lady, I said, I said, excuse me, ma'am, I don't want to bother you, but uh, I'm writing this stuff down. I wonder if I could just read this to you, get your thoughts on it. She's sitting there with her little Cosmo magazine. Why, sure? I start reading her the Bible study, right? And she starts getting into it. She really does. She's like, oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally, I get to the word sin. And she goes, uh-uh. stop right there. I said, Excuse me? She goes, I don't believe in sin. A lot of people don't. You know why? They don't know what it means. I said, ma'am, can I explain to you what sin means? I said, do you know that sin is actually, and I love this, it's an archery term. Sin is an archery term. You know, bow and arrows. <laughs> it's taking you guys a minute, but I'll, I'll wait. And it means this, to miss the mark. If I had a target up here on the platform right now, and you shot an arrow up here, if you hit anywhere except the bullseye, it would be called miss the mark. And she looked at me and she said this. I'll never forget her saying that. She looked at me and she said, so what is the mark I'm supposed to be aiming for? And I said, a life of 100% perfection, no mistakes. I said, that's the only thing good enough for God. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, could I ask you this? Have you ever made a mistake? Are you telling me that you've lived a life of no mistakes? She goes, no, I can't say that. Nobody can. And I said, that's why it says here that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God put a tree in the garden. Adam and Eve ate of it. Sin separated them. And I don't know if you guys remember this from the book of of Genesis. God told them they had to leave the garden. They couldn't stay there. First off, can you imagine how upset Adam and Eve had to be with that? Can you imagine them having to leave the garden, looking back at the garden going, 
we belong there. And when they left, Scripture says God put a massive angel there with a flaming sword standing in front of that gate. And you know what happened? All throughout time, when man would sacrifice their animals, or they would do good deeds. They would bring those things to God and say, God, is this good enough? Can we come back into the garden? Can I come into the relationship? And when they bring their bulls and goats and lambs, God would say, that angel would be just standing there going, it's not good enough. But while we were yet sinners, while we were jacked at our worst, when you were drugged out, stone drunk, when you were pornography filled, when you were at your worst, when I was at my worst, Christ died. And do you think you know what that means? That means, listen, listen. He took all your jealousy, all your bitterness, all your envy, all the drug abuse. He took all the materialism. He took all, all, all. And he put it on himself and he paid for it. Now, please hear me. Everything that I just shared with you guys, my guess is probably 90% of y'all would say, yeah, I know. I've heard it. But see, it's the very last step that makes the whole world a difference. And it's simply this. Whoever calls upon my name. Whoever receives. See, I could have a gift up here. I could, I could have a big old box, right? It's in the shape of a big old four-wheeler. Man, it says to Pastor Mark from Scott. He's like, yes, Lord. I've seen it, right? I paid for it. It's paid for. And Mark, it's for you. Here's the question. Is it for Mark? Is it Mark's? I love y'all. Y'all going, dude, don't answer. It's a trick question. <laughs> is it for Mark? Yeah. Is it Mark's? No. When does it become Mark's? When he receives it. There's so many people that know the gospel truth. Talk, tell me if I'm missing this. You know the gospel truth, but have you had a time in your life where you go, I received this. I admit, God, I admit to you right now, I've, I've, I've screwed up. I'm jacked up. And God, I don't deserve forgiveness. In fact, if I deserve anything, it's death and hell. But I believe that you died for me. And I want to receive that forgiveness because can I tell you what happened when Jesus died on the cross? Last picture. The angel put away that sword and he moved out of the way. And where's Jesus? We well, still on the cross, no. Jesus is the door that leads you into that relationship, into the garden. You guys bow your heads with me just real quick. God, first off, thank you. Thank you that we, we got a place right here in Utah. We can come together and we can hear truth. We can worship as men of God, whether they're 13 or whether they're 93. We can worship you the way you created us to worship. But you invite us. You invite us to this mountain. You invite us to the climb. You invite us to the journey. You invite us to this adventure. But master, it starts not at the mountain. It starts in the garden. And Father, I do pray right now 
from men in this room who would say, Scott, I've heard this a thousand times. But tonight, something's different. Tonight, it makes sense. Scott, tonight, I, I, I feel this tugging in. I want this Jesus that you're talking about. So I, I'm just going to ask this here in just a second. Man, we're just going to have everybody stand. And is, this is how we're going to finish tonight. We have some of our men up here at the front, man, some of our leaders, some of your pastors. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, Scott, I, I want this Jesus into my life, like you're talking about, I've gone through religion. I've gone through baptism and catechism. And, but I've never received this Jesus like you're talking about. And tonight's your night. And I want you just to come up, just to come up to one of these men up here and say, I want this Jesus. That's all you got to say. I want this Jesus. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Scott, I'm here at base camp and I'm looking at some mountains in my life and, and <laughs> I need some Sherpas in my life. I need, some, I need some other men that just right now will pray for me. Will they pray with me, Scott? about my marriage? Will they pray with me about this financial situation? Because I'm looking at a mountain that just, it really feels a lot bigger than me. I just don't think there's any way I, I, I can handle this. And that's why God said, man, it's good when brothers dwell together. How good it is when brothers dwell together. So right now, I, I, I just going to ask this man I'm going to just ask you guys if y'all would if we finish up tonight will you guys just stand with me I'm going to ask some of the leaders that they just come up here to the front and as we just dive into a last worship song or two man if you're here tonight and just say Scott I want this Jesus make your way up here grab one of these men just look at him in the face say I want this Jesus or if you're here tonight, man, you just need somebody to hurt with you. You need somebody to pray and believe for you of this mountain that you're dealing with. The finances, the, the relationships, the home, whatever it may be. Just grab one of these men and say, will you pray with me? Because can I tell you something? That's what we do at base camp. That's what we do at base camp.
All right, guys, I'm going to open it up. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be raw. I'm going through some stuff. I'm going to break down. I've got some stuff going on in my life that's tearing me up. And I'm going to get up here and say, I'm calling on my brothers. I need help. I'm a leader in this church, and I need help. I need you praying for me. I'm going through stuff. I'm going through struggles. And I know I'm not the only one because I am there for you guys. So don't just sit there in your seats and pretend like it's okay. I'm here for you. And I want you to be here for me. But if you can't get out of your seat and do what I'm doing right now, you're a lone sheep and the devil is attacking and loving to attack you because you're alone. But when we come together, when the sheep are flocked together, it's harder for the enemy to attack. So I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to open my arms in prayer. I'm going to ask my brothers to come pray for me. Pray for me. Come stand in this fight with me. Don't make me walk through this alone. And just know that you don't have to walk through this alone yourself.